The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Tonight we discuss one of the most baffling and most publicized cases of a close encounter of the second kind. At 11 p.m. on November 2nd, 1957, patrolman A.J. Fowler took a call from Pedro Saucedo and Joe Salas. They explained how they had been out driving when a brightly lit, cigar-shaped object had come toward them. As it approached, their engine cut out, then mysteriously restarted again after the object had left. Similar calls followed. This happened around the West Texas town of Leveland, USA. Multiple witnesses at multiple locations reported their car stalled at the close approach of the UFO. Over a two-hour period, the object terrorized the witnesses. The Hockley County Sheriff, the Texas Department of Public Safety, and even officers from Rees Air Force Base saw the UFO. A comprehensive investigation has, for the first time, uncovered additional witnesses and reveals the Air Force clandestine attempts to resolve the case without revealing the true nature of the events. The Leveland sightings are not the only time that reports of stole cars and other interaction with the environment was reported. In France and South America in 1954, similar reports were made, many of them including descriptions of creatures from the UFOs. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, and more. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focused Life Force Energy, MMS, Rebounders, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Pure Organic Sulfur, Flash Drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas Seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And now, here's your host, Mel Hostelrick. Tonight's special guest is retired Army Lieutenant Colonel Kevin D. Randall who has spent the majority of his life in the study of all aspects of the UFO phenomena. He has actively investigated cattle mutilations, abductions, crash retrievals, and a wide variety of flying saucer sightings. He had traveled extensively during his investigations, interviewed many of the high-profile researchers and hundreds of witnesses to UFO events. He was among the first to review the Project Blue Book files after they were declassified and saw them before the names had been redacted. Randall is a retired Army Lieutenant Colonel who served as a helicopter pilot and aircraft commander in Vietnam and an intelligence officer in Iraq. He served for 14 years in the Air Force on both active duty and the reserve as an intelligence officer. He brings this military insight as well as an advanced education to bear on his study of UFOs. Mr. Randall is the author of many books and the latest is titled Leveland. Randall has appeared in dozens of documentaries about UFOs, appeared in hundreds of radio programs, and written dozens of books on the topic. His blog, A Different Perspective, provides insights into some of the most controversial and some of the best UFO sightings. His radio show and podcast airs weekly on the X-Zone broadcast network. This is his second appearance on Veritas. Do a search on our website to find 
our first interview. Lieutenant Colonel Kevin D. Randall joins us from Eastern Iowa. Hello, Colonel Randall, and welcome back to Veritas. How are you? I am great. Thank you, Mel. I appreciate the opportunity, and, and we should point out we are practicing social distancing. <laughs> we definitely are. Obviously not in Eastern Iowa. Even though that we, it sounds like we're not right in the same room, right? But may I call yeah. you Kevin? Yeah, certainly. Excellent. Well, congratulations on the new book. We were discussing that before we started, and I just uh, finished most of it today. And I have to, before we begin, I have to ask you a few generic, generic questions, Kevin. First, I want to ask you, what happened to the acronym UFO, which was used for decades after Flying Saucer, but now we're mostly seeing UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon or Phenomena, coming from the government. Why the change? I think it's just to fool us to come up with something new. Uh, I know that back in the 60s and 70s, Carl Lorenzen and Jim Lorenzen at the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization changed the acronym to UAO for Unidentified Aerial Object because of the um, problems with the wording. You know, unidentified flying object suggested an object, suggested it was flying and all sorts of things that implied alien visitation. And so they wanted to come up with something a little more generic. Maybe that was the thought behind UAP, or maybe they just thought, well, we'll fool them by changing it to UAP, and they won't think about UFOs anymore. The perception is these days is that the government is finally taking UFOs or UAPs seriously. Is this an accurate statement or, or let's begin with, a, you know, why do you think that they're, they're now taking this seriously, at least the perception for the public? This happened 70 years ago when Kenneth Arnold made his sighting over Mount, not over, but near Mount Rainier, right. Mount Rainier Washington in July of 1947. The government was taking these things very seriously. They didn't know what was going on. They were according to Ed Ruppelt, who was one time chief of Project Blue Book, said that the Pentagon was in a panic and they didn't know what they were dealing with. They didn't know whether it was our competitors in the world. They didn't know uh, if it was alien. They didn't know anything about it. And they were trying to get answers. And here we are 70 years later doing the same thing. They had some video that may be more uh, or, or probably glitches in the electronics they're using because they interface new electronics into some of the fighter planes with a heads-up display. There was a guy and there was a who put a video on YouTube a number of months ago. He hooked up his um, cell phone camera to night vision device and recorded in the night sky, and he got this this sort of golden pyramid-shaped objects, which is one of the things that they were talking about with the videos from the Navy. So it might be some sort of technological glitch like that. Uh, but I think the the problem is they didn't really know what was going on, and uh, the information leaked into the public arena and garnered the interest of some of the uh, members of Congress. And so they uh, are now taking things a little bit more seriously. But as I say, this all happened 70 years ago, and they eventually worked around to the point where, well, it's not our competitors in the world. There's obviously nothing dangerous going on here because they haven't attacked us yet. It may be natural phenomena. We don't know what it is, but we'll just take a step back and relax a little bit. I guess I was referring more to the ridicule factor. Even when I started to this program almost 15 years ago, and I've been probably looking into UFOs since the 70s. You were at this even before you went to Vietnam. 
But in the 70s and 80s, you saw a lot of ridicule, even until lately. But in the past, I would say two, three years, you see more of a serious tone coming from the media. That's precisely what I was asking. When these things burst on the scene in 1947, you would get headlines in papers. I think it was Kansas had a headline that said, uh, flying saucer seen in 28 states, but not Kansas, because Kansas is a dry state, meaning they didn't have alcoholic beverages. <laughs> well, they had them, but <laughs> not the way other states did. But uh, I, I think that we look at this now today and we see the same thing. There was a sighting on July, July, um, July January 3rd of this year, uh, airline pilot over Georgia in an Airbus. And one of the passengers, or one of the crew members took a video of some lights, which may be reflections, but I find that hard to believe. But neither the witness who made the video nor the captain wanted to report it to the FAA because they were afraid of being ridiculed and, and troubles with their occupation. And we still see that today. The news media at one point had the attitude that they were too sophisticated to believe in flying saucers. And so they would report a story with their tongue in cheek. And I think they were caught a little bit off guard by the Navy verifying that the videos were from uh, the cockpits of fighter planes. Didn't say they were alien spacecraft, merely said that these are authentic videos taken by the equipment in the uh, fighter planes. That may be one of the reasons they took it a little bit more seriously. And they have something like, uh, I think Robert Bigelow there in Las Vegas with his company working into uh, moving us into space and Harry Reid being involved with getting some uh, governmental money funneled to Bigelow to look at these things seriously. So that might be part of the reason, but we still see some of the, the ridicule factor going on in the in the news media today. The other thing we have to remember is the news media got very excited about the report that was supposed to come out on June, June 25th. It came out, it was, what, a high school report that would have gotten a C, C minus? Didn't tell us anything, didn't do anything, but they promised to have another report by October 25th, 90 days later. That never came out. So the news media has kind of lost their interest in that respect, too. I think if the news media continued to press like they did up to the point where the uh, June 25th report was uh, supposed to be issued, I think we might have gotten a different reaction. But they have said nothing about October 25th, and that kind of passed. Except for me, I think I mentioned it on my blog at one point that, well, we've moved past that a couple of weeks and we still hear nothing. And now we have this congressional mandate for them to create an office to investigate these things seriously. But we had that 70 years ago, not the congressional mandate, but the military, the Pentagon, high ranking officers were ordering these things to be investigated. So I don't see where things have changed all that much. Other than, as you say, the news media seems to be taking it a little bit more seriously than they have been in the past. Well, what you say about investigate, wasn't Project Blue Book an investigation? That was the allegation. Uh, when it started as Project Sign back in 1947, the mandate was to make a serious investigation. They created a estimate of the situation, which is basically a fancy way, intelligence way of saying we made a report and this is what we found and what should we do, and passed it up the chain of command and it went all the way to the chief of staff of the Air Force, General Vandenberg, and he said, no, you guys didn't prove your case. And nearly everybody who worked on that report lost their jobs in the UFO investigation. So the Air Force officers understood what was being said. 
which was, if you believe in UFOs, your career is in jeopardy. It, and the investigation sort of evaporated at that point until another general asked in around 1950, 51, what's going on with the UFO project and was told and was unhappy with it. And they brought in Ed Ruppelt, who did a legitimate investigation, did the best he could with the limited resources he had. But once Ruppelt left in late 52, early 53, it degenerated into a public relations outfit where the people appointed to uh, head up Project Blue Book were rapidly anti-UFO, anti-flying saucer, and their reports reflected that. Uh, the way they uh, ran things, the investigations they conducted, um, they didn't. They would phone people instead of going to see them. If you didn't return their stupid form, which ran, what, eight or nine pages with a lot of superfluous questions on it, um, then they said your sighting was probably... Uh, unreliable or insufficient data for a scientific analysis. So once you got past uh, late 1952, early 1953, no, Project Blue Book was basically a public relations outfit to explain sightings. You moved in the 1960s, the late 60s, with the Condon Committee, which was the University of Colorado study. Uh, they laid out, the Air Force laid out exactly what they wanted to the University of Colorado before the, the project papers were signed. And it was, you must say something nice about the Air Force investigation. You must find that there is no national security interest, and you must find that further scientific study would be of no value. That was before they investigated and signed the papers. When the Condon Committee ended their investigations, what they found was there's no threat to national security, which turns out to be a lie. They found that the Air Force had done a good job in their investigation, which turns out to be ridiculous, and that there was no reason to investigate it scientifically because nothing new would be learned. One of the reports in the Project Blue Book file was, I'm sorry, in, in the Condon Committee report, was they, they labeled the sighting as a natural phenomenon so rare it had never been seen before or since. And I'm thinking there's some scientific value in trying to chase that thing down. The national security aspect of it, as I say, was was a lie because one of the University of Colorado investigators was in Belt, Montana, Maelstrom Air Force Base, not long after one of the flights of missiles, 10 missiles in their missile field around Maelstrom was shut down by an outside force. This became an issue of national security because something outside was able to disable these missiles. And if the Soviets found out it could be done, then they would be looking for ways to do it. And that could cripple our entire retaliatory capability. So there was a national security aspect to it, and they knew it. And they still said there was no national security implications here. So, uh, you know, we're, we're back to where we were 70 years ago with seemingly people taking it seriously. The newspapers in 1947, early on, was taking were taking it seriously. And you were getting some interesting uh, um, radio broadcasts as well. But... But over the last uh, you know, 50 years, 60 years, we've gotten that ridicule factor going on. And it's only recently it seems that the news media is taking it a little bit more seriously. But then the next question is, are we being set up? So they say, well, we looked at it seriously and there's nothing to it. Go about your business uh, like they did a number of years ago, like they've done multiple times. And it's worked every time. From someone I know high in the airline industry. That is one of the subjects 
pilots are not supposed to talk about UFOs and if they want to keep their job. But you mentioned reflections. You mentioned that is a word that a lot of people use, especially when, you know, people are, are traveling and filming with their iPhones these days. But I remember the Mexican Air Force sighting at the Bay of Campeche years ago uh, when the media said later that it was reflection coming from oil platform fires. At the time, I was able to schedule an interview with the Mexican Department of Defense. And it was a, an admiral who was coming to the interview, and he canceled 30 minutes before. But a few days later, I got a letter, and uh, nowhere to be found the words, oil, you know, fires from oil platforms. They basically said, we cannot confirm, nor we can't confirm nor deny what the Air Force saw there. What's your take on that? A typical. If you look at the level land sightings, the Air Force wrote them off as ball lightning. That's the official explanation. Apparently, nobody knows what ball lightning is. Um, I, I think at the time, 1957, when the sightings took place, there was a big debate among physicists whether ball lightning existed or not. And I think oh, that's really great. We're using a, a phenomenon we can't explain and we don't know if it's legitimate to explain a phenomenon that we can't explain and we don't know if it's legitimate. But a ball lightning is typically, what, 18 inches to 24 inches in diameter, you know, a, a foot and a half to two feet in diameter. It is very short life, 10, 15 seconds. And, and that was the explanation for these multiple sightings all around Leveland, Texas. It took place over two hours with the UFO interacting with the environment. This is the kind of thing they've done all along. The Air Force was so busy um, arguing with NICAP about the number of witnesses and NICAP, John, Don Kehoe at NICAP allowed him to get away with changing the course of the discussion to the number of witnesses that people just didn't look beyond that argument to what was really going on there. And we can point to sighting after sighting after sighting where that kind of camouflage or that kind of deception or that kind of deviation can be uh, pointed to. They, they get the information and they point to some ridiculous explanation or they change the direction of the conversation. So the, the points, the important points are overlooked and dismissed. Let's begin with the Levelin case uh, for the listeners who are not familiar with it. Take us back to November 2nd, 1957. Tell us what happened and why this case is so special. It is special because it is multiple witness. Um, the UFO interacted with the environment, stalling car engines and dimming headlights and filling radios with static. There were witnesses at least 13 separate locations. The sheriff got involved. Law enforcement got involved. The Air Force got involved. What happened was a fellow named Pedro Sacito was driving in his pickup truck toward Level Land and came up, saw something in the sky. And as they approached it, the car, the, the truck engine died. The lights went out. Sacito, who was a Korean War veteran, panicked and dove out of the truck and, and rolled underneath it for protection. His passenger sat there staring at the object, which was a bright blue, turned red, shot up into the sky. And once it disappeared, Sacito could get his truck started. He was so afraid of running into it again, they went to a different town and called the sheriff in Leveland to tell him what had happened. And of course, the police uh, response was, well, he's drunk and we don't need to do anything about it. But then other calls began, began coming in from all around the Leveland, Texas area. When we go back and we look at that whole period, we see that the sightings began 12, 15 hours earlier up near Amarillo, place named C Canadian, Texas, uh, Pettit, Texas, all around Leveland, these sightings were being made. 
is basically the same thing, a bright red object close to the ground stalling car engines, stalling the headlights. Once the object is gone, they can restart the cars. What I found in investigating this and looking at it closely, um, the sheriff at Leveland, I don't know whether he talked, he called the, the Air Force. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it because you don't want to believe. You want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.